money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Straight to run. Skips out of a tackle. He's at the 50. Cuts back at the 45. Running from 40 down the middle. 35, 30. Schrader to go. 25, 20, 15, 10. Five and in. Garrett Schrader. A blur. Up ahead to Buddy. A foot fake. A three. He's got it. And the Orange are up a half dozen. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps up. Pop pass up in the middle. Parker's got it. Ruby run. 15, 10. Hit and in. Bernard's touchdown. Up ahead, it's Jimmy Beheim before the defense is set. He lets it rip. Book it for Jimmy. Snap back. Trader hit on the release. Ball's down the seam left. Alfred reaches up. He's got it. He's into the end zone. He's off the Never Never Land. Oh, my. Benny Williams up in the air. Blocking a shot in the next week. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. Welcome into Double Down. It's the Syracuse basketball game day. I'm Tommy Hogan. I am not with Michael Lear. I am with Jordan Capozzi. My guy, the Mr. Do-It-All, will be filling in for Mike tonight as he's got a li- he's got something to do. I guess there's a team out in Utica that he's got to cover. Uh, but with him covering that, I needed to get the finest hockey mind in central New York because I'm looking to get into hockey. You guys all know that. I'm a hockey. I'm, I've been looking to get into hockey for a while, but just haven't had that right person to convince me to get into hockey, and I think I finally found him. The finest hockey mind in Central New York. Me? Lucas Valley. Oh. Not Although you did hit on a hockey bet last night that you could say you're sharp in hockey now with that hit. We'll talk to Lucas about that at 6.30. Lucas Valley, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, the best voice of an AHL team in Central New York, joins the show. We also will be joined by Andy Pregler at 6.15. Some Syracuse transfer news actually just coming out. They just picked up a transfer from Rutgers, a uh, cornerback that was teammates with Deuce Chestnut in high school. So that's a big pickup for Syracuse. He says it's a big pickup for Syracuse. I want to hear from him about that. Also, the Baseball Hall of Fame gets announced today during the show within the next... We'll hear about it in the show. They're doing all of their cool teases and everything right now. We're watching on the TV here. So we'll see if Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, two of the most controversial people to be on the ballot, do they get into the Hall of Fame? David Ortiz also a part of that. Thank you. Big Poppy. We'll see if he gets in. Hope I hope not. I'm cheering for him to not because I have to. I'm a Yankees fan. No, you don't. You don't have no, to. No, I do. Right. I do have to. That's part of the rivalry. We root against each other. You're not rooting for A-Rod to make it. I'm not rooting for David Ortiz to make it. That's how it goes, Jordan. I'll take it. All right. You had A-Rod as number one on your most hated Mount Rushmore, all right? So you're not rooting for him today. I know that. No. But we'll get into Syracuse-Pittsburgh here. Syracuse looking to get back to 500. Brennack says it's kind of like Syracuse is going in a circle because how many times have we seen or have to say Syracuse looking to get back to 500? I think they had to do it against Pittsburgh too. They were right around there when they played Pittsburgh the first time. And in that first game, Jordan, I thought the biggest key to that game was Hughley was the big man that got into foul trouble early, and Syracuse was able to get him out of the game. He only played 28 minutes. He only got to the free throw line eight times. Jesse Edwards was able to stay on the floor, played pretty good defense, was able to stay out of foul trouble. That was the biggest key in that game. I think it's the biggest key in this game as well. The big man matchup. Can Syracuse win that big man matchup again? Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier on uh, on Orange Nation with Craig Meyer, and he was talking about Mahamadou Gie, which 
Gee. Yeah, Gee. I was going to say, I've learned how to pronounce his name a little bit since the You're watch party I did. We're getting closer. He was on triple-double watch that whole game. He's good, man. But the thing is, if he's going to do what he did last game, 14-10, also had four assists, and Hughley actually plays, remember, he, he only had eight points last yeah. time. SU did win by 16 there, but just imagine a little more from Hughley. And then, of course, there's going to be a little less from Symeer Torrance. In fact, there's going to be nothing. Nothing. He played 12 good minutes in that game, had five points, had a couple assists. So, yeah, he's going to be missed, but that does mean, Tommy, I know what you're looking forward to tonight. It means this could be the Patty Casey breakout ACC game. The Patty Casey game is on the horizon. I may or may not take credit for it if he does make a basket tonight. By the way, I asked him to to show the double down sign. Everybody, keep an eye on that. If Patty Casey gets in the game and makes a bucket, does he flash the horns down double down sign? That would be absolutely electric. Another guy that you mentioned, though, and I'm glad you did, was Mohamedou Gee. Yes, last night I talked to Buddy Beheim here on QSportsTalk.com. And I asked him, when he's playing against teams or if he's watching college basketball, does he ever say to his dad, Dad, that guy would be really good in the 2-3 zone like that? Because I think as fans, we do that all the time. Gee is one of those guys who would look phenomenal in the 2-3 zone. He was a grad transfer from Stony Brook, so they even had that option this offseason to get him. His length at the bottom, his athleticism at the bottom of that zone, whether it was in the middle or, or on the wing, I think would have been awesome. He's one of those guys I think would have fit perfectly in the Syracuse system. I think it would have been good on both sides, offense and defense. Because like you said, 14 and 10, you'll take that rebounding, you'll take that offense, and he's not a great shooter. So that's a guy you can get the ball down low. I don't know why I'm talking about a guy on the other team and how he'd fit for Syracuse, but that's just one of my dumb brain thoughts. Um, I was going to try to court him in the transfer portal right okay. now, but he's a senior, so that's not happening. No, not going to happen. You say he's not a great shooter. He took four threes last time, so he'll step out there. He'll pop them. He did only make one, but that's the thing about that pit team, too, is most of those guys can shoot in their starting lineup. Four different dudes took four more threes in that game, so they didn't make a lot of them last time. They only made 32%, but if they get shooting hot like all these other teams have as of late against Syracuse, Again, I think four and a half, like, there's a reason that spread got smaller than it was last game. It's not just because Syracuse isn't playing too well, but Pitt didn't really show out in that game earlier in the season either. No, Syracuse minus four, like you said, the total is at 140 and a half. Now, you can't bet on this game legally in the state of New York. Um, I think if you could, Jordan, I would be taking Syracuse minus four. I don't think they win it by 16. And I think Orange Nation had the same take. I don't think they went it by 16. You're on the road. You're at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, you're going to say, Hughley playing 28 minutes, I think, was an anomaly. Like, that's not going to happen again. You're not going to get him in foul trouble. That's going to be their key, to not have him get in foul trouble like he did last game. By the way, he had eight points. Six of them came from the free throw line. And he gets to the free throw line a ton. But he, he didn't do much on the offensive end. You're going to expect, and I think Syracuse fans should expect, a bigger game from Hughley tonight. So I don't think you're going to win by 16. You're not going to have as, as comfortable as a win. But if we were able to bet this game legally in New York, I would have been I would be picking Syracuse minus four. I think they're going to win by about eight or so. What I would be doing if we could legally bet this game here in New York, okay, I would be betting the pit money line to, guar- oh, to guarantee okay. that Syracuse wins the game. Because I'm, I'm bad luck Brian with the bets. I don't know, dude. Like, I want to have faith in Syracuse. What I just can't figure out 
is who is going to fill the role Simeon Torrance plays because I know people don't think he's that big of a deal, but you see he's the only guy penetrating inside on this team. And when Cole Swider's talking about who's going to take his uh, place when Joe's sitting or who's going to play backup spots when Cole's moving down to two guard, he's talking about Benny Williams, who hasn't seen much game action, or John Bolajak, who yeah. he sees so little game action that people freak out when he gets in. Are those the guys you want when you're betting four and a half in an ACC game? I'll be honest, Jordan. I am excited if we get a fan favorite lineup of um, John Bolajak and Patty Casey on the court together. My dream play for Syracuse this year. The Syracuse is nine and ten, right? So we're down to dream plays. Just like the tournament is probably a dream for Syracuse this year. I'm thinking of dream plays, and a Patty Casey alley oop to John Bolajak is my dream play of the season. That I would go bananas if that happens. Is there a prop bet for that? I would love there to be. Love uh, the double down dream uh, prop of the night, an alley oop from Patty Casey to John Bolajak. If there was any ever a time, tonight's the night. Tonight is the night with no Samir Torrance, which Buddy confirmed last night. There will be no Samir Torrance in this game. He's not sure about going forward. He's roommates with Samir, so if anybody were to know, it's it's uh, Buddy Bayheim. But no Samir Torrance tonight. So the interesting thing in this game as well, Jordan, and you mentioned it, Cole Swider is the backup guard. If they need Buddy or Joe to come out of the game, which I think you only will see if they get in foul trouble, you will see 40 minutes from those two if they can play 40 minutes. But if we do see it, Cole Swider at the top intrigues me because Syracuse doesn't have the athleticism on defense but to combat that, they would finally have length at the top of that zone. If you see a lineup of Buddy Beheim and Cole Swider at the top of the zone with Benny, Jesse, and Jimmy down low, it's a pretty long team. There's nobody shorter than 6'6 out there for you. I know there's not much quickness, but like I said, hopefully the length would help that out. I understand you're you're happy about the length, but my concern with Cole as the backup two guard so say there's, uh, what, like three minutes left in the game. It's a four-point game. Pitts run an aggressive press. Who do you have handling the ball? Who knows? Is there an option? that I mean, we've seen Jimmy Beheim handle it in the past, which, whatever, got to do what you got to do. We, I hate to say it, but I think Joe's just getting smothered sometimes yeah. by these guys. I don't know if Buddy's the guy you want necessarily handling it because, one, you don't want him getting the ball out of his hands and not being able to either score or get free throws. But two, I just, is he going to be quick enough to beat those yeah. guards? And I don't think people like what they've seen from Cole's ball handling. No. I think we want him getting to the corners, the wings, yeah. and shooting. No, so that's, that's what scares me. That's a fair point. I mean, it's without Samir, it's still scary. Or with Samir, I should say, it still scares you. He's the number one option, though, against it the is. press at this point, I yeah, feel Yeah, he like. is. No doubt about it. Um, I think you're right. And Danny Shea said this earlier in the week as well. Without Samir, I think you do go to Jimmy Beheim. And it's not because you trust his ball handling ability, but you trust it compared to the matchup he would have. At that point, and I'm not giving anybody ideas, so if pit scouts are listening, don't blame <laughs> Which they me. Are. At that point, you just hack a Jimmy. At that point, you just hack him. Give up a point. Yeah, that's a good point. You do. <laughs> if they're in the press late in the game and you think Jimmy's your best, your, your best option to cross half court, why wouldn't they just follow him? Because he's struggling from the line. That's a really good point, Jordan. I'm frightened. It's a really good point. Hopefully, Syracuse doesn't get in that spot where they have to be. Well, actually, now that I think you do want them to be in that spot. So who knows? If they're getting pressed, that means Syracuse is up by 15. The team's got to get their way back into it. So you kind of hope that they're 
in that situation. So we'll see. We'll see how Syracuse breaks the press tonight. We'll see if we, we do end up seeing a Cole Swider playing the two at the top of that zone. But coming up next, we've got Andy Pregler, our guy. He's been with us throughout the football season. We're going to talk to him about the Baseball Hall of Fame, like I mentioned. We haven't talked to him since the Steelers got their doors blown off against Patrick Mahomes. So we'll talk about that. We'll open that wound back up. Talk about Bathisberger. And talk about these transfers for Syracuse football. Picked up a wide receiver from Michigan State. Just picked up a cornerback from Rutgers that was teammates with Deuce Chestnut in high school. So that could be a big pickup, obviously. We did already talk to him about Danny Villari, the quarterback transfer. We'll have Andy Pregler up next on ESPN Radio Syracuse and QSportsTalk.com. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. You put on your coat, put on my hat. You put out the dog Welcome back to Double Down. ESPN Radio Syracuse, QSportsTalk.com. Tommy Hogan here alongside Jordan Capozzi. We're joined by Andy Pregler, and during the break, I told you guys, Andy's fired up about the Baseball Hall of Fame, was talking to his boy, Pablo Torre, on Twitter this morning about it, and it has just been announced the only person making this year's class for the Baseball Hall of Fame is Jordan's boy, the guy who I was rooting against, David Ortiz. Andy, what is your reaction to that? So right now it looks as if uh, Ortiz has 77.9%, which is 2.9% more than he needed. Yep. Uh, Bonds falls short at 66. Clemens falls short at 65.2. I mean, uh, this and this, uh, I I went on a rant with this. I, I for those that don't know, I used to work at Major League Baseball. I've got a group of friends that all used to work at Major League Baseball. And we and the, nothing gets MLB employees fired up like the Hall of Fame discussion. Like sure. I that we I jumped in with a hundred plus unread messages, and my stance wow. is always this: the, the goal of the Hall of Fame is not to sanitize the game of baseball. It's not to correct for the wrongs. It's not to litigate what's good or what's bad. The Hall of Fame is a museum, and museums tell you what happened and give you context as to why those things happened. Barry Bonds was one of the best players in baseball, period. He was the best power hitter, period. He was one of the best hitters, period. He's the only member of the 400-400 home run stolen base club. He is clearly a baseball player that has never before been seen before him. And the only guy even comparable to him in modern times is Mike Trout. And Mike Trout has stopped stealing bases. So he might not even get to that. He might not get to that 400-400 level. It's to say that not putting Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame and acknowledging that Barry Bonds, when he was on the field, was one of the best baseball players that we've ever seen, to me, it's not only unfair and it's doing a disservice to the game of baseball, but it's cowardly. It's saying that we don't want to acknowledge the fact that for a time period, steroid use was a thing that you did with baseball. And the Hall of Fame can say, we're going to put up a plaque of Barry Bonds and then give the context as to why Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame in the description on the plaque, in the rest of the museum. They have the uh, record-breaking home run ball with an asterisk carved into it. Like It's not like they're running away from this being a thing. 
It's that they don't want to go and admit that Barry Bonds was good at baseball. And to me, that is cowardly. That is unfair. That is not what actually happened. And it's doing a disservice to the story that is baseball in America. As I, you can tell, I'm really, I'm really yeah, tired of this. I love it. I love it. We got your raw reaction. It was literally announced in the break that we were able to get you connected and on here. So we are getting your first reaction to this. And honestly, I agree with what you're saying. A question that comes up when you see now the percentages, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens go hand to hand, like hand in hand, in my opinion. They somehow have different percentage votes here. Do you have any explanation to how one could vote for Barry Bonds but not vote for Roger Clemens? I, I think that, um, you know, Jeff Passan, Syracuse grad, uh, he, he was uh, on Pablo Torre's ESPN Daily podcast from today. Yeah. And he kind of talked about how one of the things with uh, Bonds and Clemens is that um, the peaks were certainly different in that Bonds played his career for two teams and, and Bonds is beloved in San Francisco and even Pittsburgh, which is where, where I'm from. Uh, ha- like they invited Barry Bonds back to present the MVP trophy to Andrew McCutcheon in 2014. Like I was there. It was a great day. It was really a big a moment of forgiveness uh, of Barry Bonds in the city of Pittsburgh. Clemens bounced around from a lot of different teams. He played for both the Red Sox and the Yankees. He, he you know, I think that 2% is that or those numbers of voters who saw his journeyman status as a negative against him in, in some form of character, in some form of inconsistent production, even though he was always great. You know, you saw he left the Red Sox because people thought that he was on a decline. He left the Yankees because he was old and people thought he was on a decline. It, it was almost like Clemens had to kind of lose a little bit of his game in order to get the fire to bring it back with somebody else. So that's really the only reason I I can possibly justify the two of them having differences. But to me, you know, David Ortiz, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are all the same player with David Ortiz being the worst of those three. And the fact that Ortiz is in is one, a testament to the power of the, the media and the power of, you know, not being an absolute dick when you go on the air and talk which is something that clemens and bonds did a lot more than you know than ortiz did um but i also think it's a testament to the fact that bonds very publicly and very often had playoff issues ortiz the last time that we saw him in the playoffs was an absolute legend and whether you want to admit it or not the rings matter and i do think that that hurts clemens and bonds a lot more than it does ortiz yeah so you've got to reach the 75% threshold to get in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz was about 78. Bonds and Clemens were like 66. That's kind of a considerable difference. Are you surprised not only that they didn't get in, Andy, but it wasn't really as close as you would think with how historically great these two players are? Like, There's a big chunk of people who are still just like, no way, it's not happening. Yeah, and I think I think part of that is we see every year that the writers who are willing to put their ballots out publicly uh, are very different than the writers who keep their ballots secret and we have to wait for these results. So every year over the last like three years, Clemens and uh, 
bonds are both tracking towards that 75% mark. And then the secret ballots come in and all of a sudden they're short by a lot. And I think that that's, I think it's a generational thing. Like obviously the three of us here talking are definitely part of a younger generation of, of sports fans. And, you know, me and my father's opinions on Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens <laughs> and, and David Ortiz vary a lot. Like there's not a whole lot of overlap. And I think that's what you're dealing with baseball right now is that this is just a game that is wonderful because we can compare a player in 2022 to a player from 1903 because the game has not fundamentally changed all that much in how you keep track of stats. But what's happened around the game, what's happened in how we've changed how we look at uh, players and their media interactions and just the fact that you know somebody like Bonds had to go out and every single day go and say something that could be put on ESPN that would be broadcast to everybody in the country while his godfather in Willie Mays, you know, maybe one or two quotes a month made it into a paper that got national syndication. You know, it's, it's an entirely different, no pun intended. It's an entirely different ball game that these guys today are playing. And I think that we as a younger generation appreciate that a little bit more than the older generation. Last one on the hall of fame here, Andy, before we switch gears, Alex Rodriguez getting yeah, in the yeah. Hall of Fame, or did he see his uh, fate <laughs> determined today with uh, Bonds and Clemens not making it? You okay. <laughs> the difference between Bonds, Clemens, Ortiz, and Alex Rodriguez is that A-Rod got popped for using performance-enhancing drugs, uh, yeah. said that he didn't get popped for performance-enhancing drugs, and then the legal system literally said, no, dude, you actually got popped for using <laughs> performance-enhancing drugs. You know, A-Rod, a again, I'm stealing a quote from Passan, A-Rod fought the law, and the lawman won. Like, you, you are not coming back from that public and that definitive of a statement, where Bonds and Clemens and a lot of these other guys you know, there were reports, but there was, you know, even Clemens went up against a perjury charge and that perjury charge was eventually dismissed. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence on everybody else. A-Rod, we can point to the receipts and say, nah, dude, you were you were terrible about this whole thing and you got popped. We're, we're done. I'm not saying that he won't get in long term, but like for now, there's still a bad taste in the mouth. Also, one of them is, in my opinion, an excellent broadcaster and the other is subpar. <laughs> I'll leave that up to the imagination. All right, we'll go to I agree uh, with you. we'll go to football now, Andy. And right before yeah. the show, Syracuse got a cornerback transfer from Rutgers who played high school football with Deuce Chestnut. And I, I wanted to talk to you about the wide receiver transfer from Michigan State, <laughs> CJ Hayes. And you think this this cornerback transfer is actually going to make a bigger impact for Syracuse than the wide receiver? Yeah, and I think I think part of it is if you look at the depth of the team uh, at the wide receiver position, Syracuse has a lot of guys that you would typically line up at the inside. A lot of uh, guys sub six foot who have quick moves, real shifty. But not to like bring this yeah. to the NFL so quickly. But like, look at a guy like Cooper Cup. What makes Cooper Cup so special is that he would be prototypically moved inside. But he's shown that if you have the skill set and you have the intelligence, you can be a sub six foot guy and run outside routes and be effective in these different roles. And I think what you're going to see with the new offensive coordinator in NA and the quarterbacks coach in Beck is more adaptation of these aggressive principles where if you're a good receiver, we're going to put you in positions to succeed, not just inside, but outside. And so we're, we're looking at any wide receiver that's coming into the room, having to fight through 
a very large muck of players who have been with the program for a while and we know have potential but might not have shown that. Meanwhile, on the defensive backside, that position is really thin in terms of guys who can actually execute. And what I really like about Elijah Clark is that he has the size to be a really good corner. And we talked about this on the News Magician podcast this week. You could potentially align Deuce and Clark up as your number one and your number two cornerbacks and then throw Garrett Williams in at the rover. Because if you look at what that rover position does at the next level, if you look at what Garrett has done at the corner position, it's not that he's been a bad cornerback by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that more and more teams are trying to go three or four wideouts, and they're taking advantage of having a non-coverage guy lined up at that rover position. And so it really takes away from what Syracuse can scheme in terms of who they put there and who actually has the capability of covering a big-bodied wide receiver. You throw Garrett at the rover position, all of a sudden the defense has to take into account that whoever we have lined up against the rover might not be open. Or, as we've seen many a time on a cornerback blitz, Garrett has the speed and the strength to beat an offensive lineman, get back to the quarterback, wrap that guy up really quickly. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that I have any knowledge that this is what's going to happen, but just from looking at the roster as constructed, if you want to get the 11 best guys on the defensive side of the ball, keeping all three of these guys on the field and moving Garrett to Rover makes the most sense in that perspective. Andy, I don't know anything about anything, but I do know how to type your name into Twitter and see what you've been up to. You mentioned the podcast, but you also put out a piece that gets a little analytical. You're talking about the expected points added stat and what that tells us about the Syracuse offense. I don't know any of these numbers or what they mean. Can you break down that piece, tell us why we should read it, and tell us what all of that stuff means for the math brains out there? Essentially, for those of you that want to know what happened with a football game, EPA is great. It tells you this play either gave my team a chance to score points or gave my team negative points, as in it actually hurt their chances of scoring points. And it is a really great stat to figure out what happened in a football game. And for Syracuse, it said that last year, Syracuse's run offense was one of the best in the country at adding points per play which we knew Sean Tucker's really freaking great at football. Uh, but the passing game, every time that Syracuse dropped back to pass, they were actually losing points instead of gaining points. And for an offense that's supposed to be up-tempo, that's supposed to be pass-heavy, you cannot have that. And as you guys know, like we all watch Sunday night's football game. We watched Mahomes and Allen duke it out. It is way easier to score points through the air than it is on the ground. And so for NFL teams, for college football teams, you can have the running game. If you do not have an efficient, above-average passing game, that elite rushing attack does nothing for you. Great example of this. Alabama and Georgia were 77th and 78th in the country in EPA on the ground. They were 2 and 3 in EPA through the air. At the end of the day, you need to be a very good passing offense if you want to have success in the NFL or in college football. Syracuse was not a good passing offense by any measure last year. EPA breaks down just how bad that was per play. And one of the things that Syracuse needs to improve upon is if you're going to have an elite rushing attack, that EPA needs to be at least positive and in the top half of FBS teams, not in the bottom half like it was this past year. Andy, last quick one before we let you go. Any reaction to Syracuse hiring uh, Michael Johnson Sr. to be their wide receiver coach today? 
I think it's a decent hire. All things considered, you know, these position coaches are really about fit and scheme and culture. And one of the things that I think makes Johnson really interesting, as opposed to somebody else that you're going to get, is that Michael Johnson's son was a four-star recruit who went to Penn State and then later transferred to FAU. And what I think is interesting about that from a Syracuse perspective is that he understands what a quarterback is looking for when they are uh, connecting with a wide receiver, but he also knows how to talk to a player who might be in a new situation. We talked about the wide receiver transfers. We know that Syracuse is a quarterback room full of transfers at this point. This is somebody who's intimately familiar with that process. At the end of the day, having a coach coaching staff with multiple different perspectives becomes very important for a team like Syracuse. So that way they can cast a wide net and relate to the most amount of players. So ultimately I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a great coaching in terms of X's and O's or in technique with wide receivers. What I do know is that he brings something to that room that we did not have before. And I think that's really important for this year's team. That's going to be so based upon transfer success. Andy, thank you. How did the Lakers nets tonight? Rooting for Mello, right? You know, I'm going to say this right now. I don't oh. often give betting tips, but like, listen, t- the Nets are plus 142 on the money line. I go Nets, yeah. baby. I think the Nets are going to pull through tonight. I think you're right. I think you're right. Obviously, they just got hardened tonight since they're at home, but the Lakers stink. They're bad. Unless Mali gets going, I guess. Irving and Durant both out. Throw a same, yeah. yeah, throw a same game parlay on the over Nets spread and Nets money line and see wow. what happens. Using, fi- using promo code DDSYR, right? Yeah, my my parent company, FanDuel. Come on, uh, let, let's get the synergy going. There it is. Thank you so much for joining, Andy. Thank you for all you've done for the show. We appreciate it. And have a good night at the uh, the Lakers-Nets game. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you, gentlemen. It's uh, been a great time, and enjoy the rest of your night. Appreciate it. There he is, Andy Pregler. We'll be back. The, the best hockey mind in central New York, the best voice of the AHL, my favorite voice of the AHL, Lucas Favalli, joins the show next on ESPN Radio Syracuse and QSportsTalk.com. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. No Michael Lear tonight, but it is Tommy Hogan here alongside Jordan Capozzi. Instead of Michael Lear, we have an upgrade at the vo- of a voice of an AHL team. We have our guy, Lucas Favalli. I needed the upgrade here. I needed a, a, one of the great hockey minds in Central New York. We've been lacking that on this show. So, Lucas, you are the guy to call. Well, you know, I, I don't want to step my toe f- too far into this, but I'm not going to argue <laughs> that. I, we were, uh, you know, we, we've seen Utica uh, with the crunch four times in the last week, and we were there on uh, all the days blend together. It was a Saturday. The crunch were facing the Comets, and, uh, there was, I think, three misconducts, uh, three fights, all within a very short span. And uh, I, we share a press box uh, in Utica, me and Michael Lear. So we're looking at each other going, all right, is it time for us to drop the gloves? Are we getting involved here? Yes. So I, I don't know who would win the uh, the fisticuffs battle. But, you. Um, <laughs> you. With the easiest. You, Lucas, I've never seen you in person before. It's always been just talking maybe through the board or this time now face-to-face, I guess, or over video. I can confirm you would win the fight based off of what I know about Michael. That's like, this is a gambling show. I'm putting that one at like minus 1,500, yes. Lucas. Yes. You don't even, you know, you don't even want to bet on that one. 
A couple years ago, when uh, Joe Roberts was still the voice of the comments, we had a uh, hot dog eating contest. So might, we might have to uh, branch off and do some other sort of challenge. Please. Uh, Syracuse and Utica. <laughs> when the goalies fight, that's like the next level fight, Lucas. Would the next level then be the radio voices going at it? I think we got to see that. I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> um, I don't know how much the teams would get behind it, but. You know, we, we might we might be out of something here. Mike would never do it. He's soft. <laughs> Speaking of a challenge, Lucas, before we get into the novice hockey talk, which we desperately need, I'm betting first goal score props based on name. The Crunch have had a bit of a challenge with the Comets. They lost two in a row Friday and Saturday. You guys have a game coming up against Cleveland. What went wrong for the Crunch over this past weekend, and what's going to change tomorrow and then Friday against Rochester as well? Yeah, it, well, you got to give Utica credit, unfortunately, and I know you know none of us yes. with the Crunch or here in Syracuse want to do that, but boy, they really do have a very good team. Uh, the Crunch have played well against them this year. Uh, a lot of the games, I don't want to say they've outplayed them, but they've at least been in every game. But uh, the goaltending for Utica has been better this year. They've got really good goalies. They've got they just find ways to score. Uh, over the weekend, it was well on Saturday it was four power play goals, uh, an empty net goal. So the the crunch in these games against the Comets are finding ways to lose. The Comets are finding ways to win, and Utica is doing that to everyone. But uh, outside of the games against Utica, the Crunch have been a very good team. Uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you said it. The Crunch has struggled against Utica. They're what one five one and zero against the Comets. And there's still a team that's above 500 overall this year. So uh, they're the Crunch are a, a team that can handle pretty much everyone else except for Utica right now. Uh, they're dealing with some injuries again, although they just got some guys back from Tampa Bay just a couple of days ago. So hopefully uh, that gets the team back on track a little bit here. They were playing really well before the little four games in in uh, nine days against Utica. And, and we'll see where we go from there. But it's a, certainly a big week this week for the Crunch. Lucas, as our listeners know, I've been wanting to get into hockey for a while, but I just haven't been around that right person. So I, I want you, Lucas, to give me a sales pitch to get into hockey, start watching hockey, and now with FanDuel, we can start betting on hockey. Well, it, you really just have to give it a chance. Okay. And it is the most exciting sport alive. So if you have a chance to come down to a crunch game or whatnot, you will fall, I think, in love immediately it's just so exciting in person and then once you go in person a couple of times you're you're kind of hooked you'll watch it you'll listen to it you'll do whatever uh just the the speed the the pace the excitement the the physicality the uh i mean every game is usually so tight and comes down to the razor thin wire you know the, it's just everything is so tight in hockey it is such a, a fun what these guys are able to do it, period is is remarkable with the skill level that they have. But then you consider the fact they're out in these very tiny little ice skates. It, it, <laughs> the, the skill level that these guys have is it just blows my mind a lot yeah. of the time. What they're able to do, uh, the the hand eye coordination they have, and then you just again think of the fact that they're doing all of this on ice is amazing. Yeah, uh, and, slippery. Uh, it's just one of the most remarkable, very slippery. One of the most <laughs> remarkable games. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun to watch the, the excitement, the, the, the thrills. And then obviously you get the excitement in the crowd if you're at the game and, and, uh, the energy level that, that takes place throughout the course of a night, just because every moment is so crucial. You never know when that one, one thing is going to happen. You know, you watch a baseball game, you know, here you got the pitch. Goes back to the pitcher. Oh, you come got on. a chance to catch your breath. I'm not. I'm not comparing it against. I love baseball. I love okay. 
but it, it's you, you it comes in snippets. You know, you have right. a chance to collect your breath after every pitch. Basketball kind of goes up and down a little bit, but you still have some stops and starts. Football, you have a snap, a play, then you've got a couple of 30 seconds between plays. Hockey is nonstop. Go, 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 go. You, you never know when something is going to happen that's a meaningful part of the game, and it's usually all the time. But there's you can't really look away because something's going to happen that's exciting. Speaking of exciting, Lucas, I mentioned a bet that I placed. I kind of teased it. So last night, you know, I was live betting a little bit. I was getting into it, and I don't know why. I saw the Avalanche playing, I, I think, the Blackhawks. I'm pretty sure. It doesn't matter. Made money yeah. off it. And I took, for whatever reason, not Nathan McKinnon, but Nazem Kadri to score the first goal. And it hit, and I'm very happy with that. I don't know if you're a gambling man, but is that a fair bet? Is there a, a game tonight or maybe a future NHL champion who you think would be a safe bet? I don't know. I don't even know what the schedule looks like tonight, to be honest. I uh, haven't got that far ahead, but... Boy, Nazem Kadri's having one heck of a season. So you picked a good name at the right time to uh, hit that bet last night. <laughs> He's having a career year for sure. Uh, you, I mean, there's there's so many good teams, and you can start with the Tampa Bay Lightning for a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Obviously, the Crunch is affiliate, and they're right up there at the top of the league. Colorado is a, a team that is going to be uh, one of the betting favorites, I'm sure, when it comes to playoff time. Uh, but the beauty of hockey is you just you never know. Uh, at any given night or in a seven-game series, anything can happen. So I don't know if there's a safe bet for a futures champion, unfortunately. Um, I mean, you got Colorado, Florida, Tampa, Vegas. Those are the names that come up uh, at the top of the list. Um, it, it's, hard, I, it's hard to really put any odds on it, though, considering the fact that all these teams are right in the mix. And, uh, you know, you got a trade deadline coming up here pretty soon, so teams will change. Um uh, it's a good question, but I, I don't have a – it's such a hard game to predict. I don't have anything that's really a safe bet right now. Well, Colorado's plus 500 to win the Stanley Cup, Tampa plus 700. So maybe we could get some value with Tampa there. All right. All right. My, <laughs> my last one. I wouldn't rule it out. What do you got, Lucas? Sorry. Uh, no, I said I wouldn't rule it out for sure. Okay. My last one before you let you, we let you go, Lucas. I – I don't know anything about hockey, so the name that Jordan said he bet on the first goal means nothing to me. But since you're a baseball <laughs> guy, could you give me the baseball player that would best uh, correlate in terms of talent and where they are in the league to the guy that he placed the bet on yesterday? Wow. That's a tough question. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm testing Lucas really here. That's a tough question. I know. I'm oh sorry. Oh, my God. I didn't even know who Nazem Kadri was until someone corrected me but today Lucas on the pronunciation. Does. Lucas does, and he knows <laughs> yeah, baseball, well, too. <laughs> Yeah, but I, that's, okay. it's almost – it's that's a tough one. Whoever right. – I'm trying to think back to this last baseball season. It feels like forever ago already. Yes, it does. Whoever had a breakout year this past year who, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but has been, you know, the upper half of the league for a while and then finally took off this past year would be a guy who I would say okay. would correlate with that. It helps that uh, Nizam Kadri's in a contract year, which – uh, you know what that might mean. Uh, he's yes. getting ready to get a uh, big payday coming up, but he's had a remarkable season. It's a career year for him, so I'm trying to think of someone who uh, in baseball had a year like that. Uh, How about Chris head, Taylor? I don't know, but Chris Taylor with the Dodgers okay. contract year, a really good player, shows out in the playoffs. That's the guy, when I hear that description, that's the guy that just came to mind to me. 
All right, that's fair. I, I think that's a fair okay. uh, that's a fair name, and and I'll uh, I'll let you have that one. All right, thank you, <laughs> Lucas. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you giving us an upgrade at the voice of something in the, uh, the AHL. We needed that. Um, my partner here was just not doing the job, but I know I can always count on you. So thank you. Absolutely, anytime. If uh, he's out again, you know who to call. Sounds good. Definitely, absolutely. Well, there he is, Lucas Favali, the voice. Of the Syracuse Crunch. We'll be right back with Six Pack. Obviously, with that, with no mic, we are a little off on timing. We'll be back after this on ESPN Radio Syracuse and QSportsTalk.com. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All right, we're back for our six-pack here. It's going to have to be quick. We are getting payback on the Axelay. If you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, you can already see Brandon Axe is in studio, ready to do post-game for Syracuse-Pittsburgh. But first, my six-pack here. I'm going Illinois-Michigan State over 142. Brent, are the Sabres uh, better than the Senators? Brent X. Oof, They're I can't take them. I can't take them. Then we're going to do the lot of spread strategy tonight. Villanova, <laughs> they're absolute destroyers. Minus 17 and a half against DePaul. They're at home. Playboy Cardi had a whole lot, lot of spread. red. We have a whole lot of spread here. If there's a lot of spread, there's a reason. Take Villanova, I promise. Michigan State plus the point and a half on the road. Illinois is going to be without Kofi Coburn. Yes, Jordan, it's pronounced Coburn. No, no money line. You're just go, you're taking the point. Well, and I half? took the point and okay. a half. It was minus 105 for the money line and minus 110 for the point and a half. No, that's the right take call. The point and a half. They're also missing Corbella, which I think is going to be a big deal for them. Need yeah. someone to take care of the ball. The other big college basketball game tonight, Arizona UCLA. I got Arizona giving the two and a half on the road. I do want to say we were talking about this earlier. Yes. Not really a true road game. No fans in the stands. Yes. I think Arizona is a better team. Give me Arizona. If Packer and Durham both think that Clemson is worse than Syracuse, then I've got to take Duke minus 11.5 at home against Clemson tonight. I mean, that's just a no-brainer. I was looking at that game as well, but I can't bet on Duke. It's just I work with Stephen Fonte. So. That's good. Great point, Jordan. Great point. My last pick, we're actually going kind of head-to-head on both of our picks here, Josh. I like UCLA plus 3.5. It's now at plus 2.5 on the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. But UCLA, they played in these big games. They played in the Final Four. I know no crowd, but Arizona, a relatively new, good basketball team this year. Hasn't played in a big game like this in a while. Give me UCLA. Brent Axe, I am sorry. You can now have this chair, but it is payback on the Axe lay that we have had many of times on this show. Double down. Syracuse basketball pregame show for Syracuse at Pittsburgh. We'll start right after this break with Brent Axe. Thank you. Thank you. 